Burning questions. You know, I I hope that you've enjoyed this series. I've actually had a lot of fun going through this series and and all the conversations that it has brought up. But you know, this morning we're going to be talking about something that there is a lot of opinions on, and there's a lot of different personal convictions with. And that people in this room are going to feel differently about. And that is okay. Because this stuff is not a doctrinal issue. So you might be personally convicted to never touch any of this. And I am glad that the Holy Spirit has laid that on your heart and that you have listened to the Holy Spirit. But there might be other people in this room who do not have that personal conviction and who the Holy Spirit has not spoken to in that way. And that is okay too. And we shouldn't be judgmental of how those people decide to interact with these things. We shouldn't interpret that as them not listening to God or them willfully being sinful. None of these things are listed in the New Testament as sins except the version of alcohol and drunkenness is specifically addressed. Not using alcohol, but drunkenness. So none of these other things are listed sins in the New Testament. Now I'm going to bring up some, artic- some, some topics today, and I'm going to bring up some discussion, and, and maybe it will motivate your heart one way or another of how you interact with these things. But I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying that these things are explicitly sinful Like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit lays certain things on our heart. And I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Not Nathan's words, not internet blogs, not your friend down the street. I want you to listen to God's word and the Holy Spirit that he's placed in your heart. And if you get convicted about this... Or about something that's not listed here, then listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap up today's message with this thought of taking the sinful desires of your flesh and nailing them to the cross and crucifying them there. So maybe it's not one of these things, but during the service, man, be praying. God, if there's something that I'm interacting with, if there's something I'm using that that takes away from your fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. God, if any of these things are taken away from your fruit of the Spirit or anything else in my life, God, reveal it to me during this message. And empower me, encourage me, motivate me, break down the walls, get rid of the chains, Lord, so that I can nail it to the cross and crucify it there. So this message is more than just these five items. But this is just a very relevant question in today's 
burning questions. That's kind of the setup for today's message. Before I get too far, let me start off right with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for bringing us all here to this room. Thank you for the hearts here, God. Please just speak through me. Let them be your words, not my words. And God, if any of us are are using any of these things inappropriately or anything else in our lives, God, convict our soul and our spirit and just empower us to nail it to the cross and crucify it there, God. It's in your holy and most precious name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen. So before I get into the specifics, I've got a couple of verses to kind of just think about. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting off at verse 23. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Then sliding over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting off at verse 19. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Some of the reasons not to interact with these things are not for you. It's for the benefit of others, for the good of others. When I was a missionary, in some countries, tattoos culturally are still heavily associated with gang activity and violence, especially in the Philippines. When I was in the Philippines... I had to cover all of my tattoos. And you also might see these little things. I had to wear band-aids on my ears. Now, why did I do this? And because when I was in the Philippines, I acted like the Filipino people because I wanted to win them to Christ. You might have people around you in your life who have different convictions and when you are around those people, don't, don't live in your freedom and cause those individuals to stumble. Humble yourself because it is not about you. And become who they need you to become so that you can bring them the good news. Not because I'm conforming to human expectations, Not because of any other reason than, man, I love you, and God loves you, and I want you to know about God. 
So I will humble myself. And that means if I need to appear as a slave to the slaves, I will make myself a slave. If that means when I'm a missionary in a third world country, not acting like a rich American and going down to the corner store and buying the whole corner store just because you're hungry, that means being hungry so that you can minister to people who are just as hungry as you are. Become that in those situations and in that context. Then you see this in Romans, Romans chapter 14, verse 21. Become what you need to become to win people to Christ. Romans 14, verse 21. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. That one is as simple as that. If you've got a, a Christian next to you and they share with you a personal conviction, then, then next to that person, don't do those things. Change your behavior for their sake so that you do not cause them to stumble. So that you do not enable Satan to have a foothold in their life because they told another believer about their personal conviction and you ignored it. Don't do things to cause another person to stumble. So here you are, alcohol. Now before we get into that, I, I want to preface, you know, all these things have a, a time and a place and an amount. And in your interaction with them, in the wrong time, it can become a sin. In the wrong place, it can become a sin. In the wrong amount, it can become a sin. So if you're around another believer and they tell you they don't want to have anything to do with alcohol, shouldn't have anything to do with it. If you're in a a time and a place and an amount, then there is an appropriate way to interact with alcohol. So the first verse, you know, kind of, we'll just start off on an encouraging one. I know that many of you kind of have some other verses that we'll use as defenses, but I like this one. It's Psalm 104, starting off at verse 14. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. God gave us wine to make us glad, but we have to be so careful with it. Check out this verse in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20. Wine produces mockers, gossipers, slanderers. Wine produces mockers. Alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. We start gossiping and saying things that we shouldn't. Or men's night, you're all having beers. Is the content of that conversation good and valuable? Or does it easily lead into mocking and gossiping and nonsense? Time and place and setting and amount matter. Alcohol leads to brawls. 
And if, if you're intoxicated, your likelihood of being violent shoots up dramatically. We're going to see some statistics about that in just a second. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. Do not be drunk. So if you have too much alcohol and you become drunk, that is a listed sin. But maybe you, in your personal conviction, can interact with whatever your alcohol is, right? A glass of wine, a a can of beer, a shot of whatever it is, a margarita, all those things. And you can avoid these things, then enjoy that thing that God has given you. But do so very carefully and with wisdom, because if you're led astray by it, then you cannot be wise. Then we see this line, alcohol leads to brawls. So, you know, here's some just some uncomfortable statistics for us. You know, 40 to 60 percent of all domestic abuse cases involve alcohol. So with a difference, that means 50 percent of all abuse involves alcohol. 40% of inmates who are incarcerated for violent offenses were under the influence of alcohol during the time of their crime. Alcohol produces brawlers. 40%. Shouldn't be a surprise because it says right there in Scripture, alcohol leads to brawls. I just want to be transparent and put these things in front of us. Kind of moving on from that thought into the realm of tobacco. Oh, guys, this one might be the hardest to defend, so I'm sorry if I'm going to step on your toes. So here's my, my verse and my reasoning behind it. But we're all called to love each other. So this is in 1 John chapter 3, starting off at verse 23. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Man, if you loved me, I don't think that you would smoke next to me. Okay, well, what do I mean by that? There is no safe level of exposure to secondhand smoke. So if you smoke near me, and that smoke blows to me, and I am exposed by it, then I am negatively harmed. Think back to that verse earlier. Don't just think about yourself, but for the good of others. There's no safe level of exposure. In adults who do not smoke, secondhand exposure can cause coronary heart disease, stroke, lung cancer, other diseases, and can result in premature death. Secondhand smoke also affects the reproductive abilities of women, lowering the birth weight of the baby. In children, secondhand smoke often causes respiratory infections, ear infections, and asthma attacks. For babies, this is one of the reasons for sudden infant death. 
since 1964, when we started tracking several of these things, 2.5 million people who did not smoke died from health problems caused by secondhand smoke exposure. And maybe you can have a thought going on in your brain. Well, like, I smoke outside. And I don't do it around non-smokers. Well, there's a weird thing that I wasn't all the way aware of. But you have something called third-hand smoke. So the carcinogens, which is a big fancy word for cancer-causing things and other toxins can last up to 19 months on your clothing, on your furniture, and on your household items. So you have a little baby, and they're crawling around your house, and they're putting things in their mouth, because I've never met a baby that doesn't constantly put things in their mouth. And they are now exposed to cancer-causing toxins. Because you smoked, and it was all over your clothes, and you sat on your couch, and now it's on your couch. Grandchildren of smokers whose parents never smoked... Okay, so I was just raised in a house that smoked. I made the decision my whole life not to smoke. And now I'm making the decision to have a baby. That baby has a 1 in 8 or a 12.5% increased risk to develop asthma. And your grandchildren are affected by that decision. That's a tough one for me to wrestle with. Now, full transparency, okay? When I was in Costa Rica with my wife seven years ago now, um, I got five hand-rolled cigars. I was in Costa Rica. I, I was watching them do it in front of me, and I just wanted them. I saved them, hadn't used a single one. This past year, almost a year ago, I'm in Florida, and it is one day, and it's one day before my grandma passes away, and I want to be there, and I know my church family wouldn't have, would have let me be there, so I'm not blaming you guys, but it was Saturday, and I felt like I had to be back on Sunday, and I'm sitting there, and, and my parents are there, and I, I brought these cigars, and I knew this was something my grandma just loved. So I smoked a cigar with my grandma. And what I mean by that is, you know, she's bedridden and I'm out on a balcony kind of looking through a window, just like as close to her as I can be in that moment. And I sat there and I smoked that cigar and I, man, it helped. It really did. I don't know what that moment was. I don't know what it did for me. I don't have words to explain it to you. But I just want to be transparent and honest that in that moment, with that substance, that was not sin for me. 
Now, did I go in and take off all those clothes and wash them and take a shower? Yes, I did. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to share that. I don't, I don't want to condemn you too hard. I, just, I want to give you things to think about and let the Spirit lead you wherever He needs to take you. Now, some of you might be in here, and I had sort of forgot about this category, but you might be like, well, I vape, and vaping doesn't have these bad things. And thank goodness we've got an amazing Pastor Jesse who brings these things to my attention and fills in gaps when I fall short. So, you know, let's just take a second and address vaping in case you thought that you're good there. You know, same things, okay? Shown to cause acute onset bronchiolitis. I'm close with that. Um, This is a severe and irreversible obstructive lung disease. Already shown to cause it. Human cells that are exposed to the nanoparticles in the plume or plowed or plume of vape are shown to increase inflammation inflammatory stress, and cause DNA fragmentation. I'm not too smart, so I don't know what that means. Okay, I had to look up what, what does that mean. Okay, that's a, just a fancy scientific way of saying your cells begin to die. So the smoke is fragmenting or cracking open your cells and causing them to die. Now, a difference between tobacco and vaping is that vaping more directly impacts your heart. So if you vape instead of tobacco, you have double the risk of a heart attack comparative to people who are smoking tobacco. Now, people who are smoking tobacco have a greater risk for lung disease, but you have a greater risk for a heart attack. In the vapor or the mist, there's all sorts of chemicals that are known carcinogens, okay? Cancer-causing materials like formaldehyde, metals like cadmium, lead, nickel, and whatever that next word is. And third-hand smoke is not nearly as bad as tobacco. Because remember, tobacco is 17 months on objects. Third-hand smoke can linger on objects for up to an hour. So you're vaping in your home. That falls down onto your kid's toys. Your kid is now interacting with cancer-causing chemicals. Just bringing it in front of you. Just want you to think about it. Okay, next thing in the conversation of things that people smoke is marijuana. We live in a legal state for marijuana. This is a growing thing in our state. I don't know if you walk down the park or you walk into a hotel room or whatever, but you're probably beginning to recognize the smell of marijuana. It is around us, and it's something that we need to be able to have a conversation with and interact with. So in the case of marijuana, here's my defense verse. First Peter chapter 5, starting off at verse 6. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, a common excuse for marijuana is that it helps people in their anxiety, but we're called to cast our anxieties on God because he cares for us. Be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You know, if you don't have an alert and sober mind, then that is a sin for you. So if you smoke and you get so high that you no longer have self-control and you don't have a sober mind or you want to use the word of drunkenness, then that becomes a sin. Be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We're called to have self-control. So if you can't interact with marijuana without losing control, then you shouldn't be doing it. Now, if you can, then I'm not saying that it's a sin. And it might help you. In many cases, it is very medicinal. And in many more cases, if you separate the component called THC that's psychoactive, and you take just the component called CBD, it can help people. It can reduce information in people with Parkinson's. It can completely stop their body from shaking. I wouldn't want to condemn something that is a medicine to some and a bad product for others. Many of us take all sorts of pharmaceutical drugs that have very negative side effects. When you're thinking about judging people's marijuana use, Think about all those other drugs as well. But marijuana use is an up-and-coming thing, and we want to pretend like there's no bad badness to it. And there's a lot of propaganda teaching kids that there's no harmful risks. And this is just not true. So if you're under the age of 25... And then you're sliding that range to 30 because for some of us, your brain's not fully developed. You know, men's brains develop later in life than women, okay? If, if your brain is not fully developed, then you are at significant risk to attention, memory, and learning connections in your brain being damaged lasting a long time, and in many cases, causing permanent damage. So I think the age is 21 in our state. I would argue it should be 25. Because if your brain is not fully developed, then there is risk of damage. Here's another one that is constantly being swept under the rug and hushed up about THC use. But high doses of THC, the psychoactive component in marijuana, especially combined with a family history of mental health, 
increases or raises your risk of a schizophrenic break or a psychosis episode by 30%. And in many cases, that is irreversible. Now, I don't see that being talked about hardly ever. But if you're a young kid and your brain is not fully developed, and and this is true even after your brain is fully developed, so if you have a history of schizophrenia in your family, then it should be 100% avoided because your risk of a schizophrenic break that in many cases is irreversible goes up by 30%. That's almost one-third. I mean, you're 3% shy of one in three chance. And that's each time that you interact with the substance. That's not like, okay, I did it one time and I didn't have a schizophrenic break, so I'm safe forever into the future. No. It can happen on any of the times. Is is that a, a risk that you're willing to take when you interact with this substance? Is that a risk that you're willing to let your family take? Because if something happens to you that is directly going to impact your family, and I hope you would be concerned about your family as well. Now, is there a way to interact with these things? For you, maybe. But please just be aware of the truth and the fullness of this. I don't have it listed, but just like with smoking and vaping, secondhand smoke is an issue. So if you're sitting in a car with someone and they're prone to a schizophrenic break and you smoke and blow in their face and they have a high dose of THC, you might bring about a schizophrenic break to that person solely through secondhand high contact. It's dangerous, and you need to treat it with extreme caution. All right, moving on. Gambling. Another confession time. I really enjoy sitting next to my dad or my siblings at a, at a place. You know, I don't like all their fancy games. I really like blackjack because it's just really simple and straightforward for me, and I'm simple. Now, now, when we go, it is fellowship and encouraging, and it doesn't have a hold on us in some way. I'm not using it to make money. As a matter of fact, I just write it all off. I'm like, yep, going to lose every penny of this, and it's like buying a nice meal, or it's like buying a gift for this person because I love this person and I want to interact with them and this is what they're choosing to do in this moment and I will come alongside them and I do not feel like for me in this moment I am sinning. But here's some verses just to consider about gambling and money. 1 Timothy chapter 6. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation And are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. 
For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But some people craving money have wandered from the truth and, sorry, from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And that, that definitely to me is what a gambling addiction looks like. You know, you've, you've pierced yourself and it is causing sorrow. And if you're doing it because of the love of money, man, you should not be there and you shouldn't be interacting with that. Matthew chapter 6, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, is there a time and a setting and an amount that you can interact with that thing? Perhaps for you, the answer can be yes. And perhaps for the person sitting next to us, it can be no. And we can be easily pulled into something that enslaves us. And that's what a lot of these addictions look like, right? Not just gambling, but smoking, alcohol. It becomes something that I get enslaved into. Man, and if you're devoted to it or you're enslaved by it, then I would argue that that is a sin for you. Just some statistics. One in ten. That's 10%. One in ten people who are homeless are due to homelessness because of gambling. That is really surprising to me, honestly. One in ten, that's a high amount, okay? You've got an increased rate of unemployment, bankruptcy, fraud, and check forgery. Your increased chance to commit crimes, only by 4 to 7%, but it still increases your likelihood of committing crime. You have many forced home sales, and this goes hand in hand with other substance abuse. So it increases your likelihood of abusing drugs and alcohol, and it causes poor mental and physical health for your family. And if you're draining your family's finances because you're a slave to money and you love money, then that will be negatively impacting your home. And you should not interact with it if it does those things. Sliding on the tattoos. And in case you didn't already know this about Nathan, I have tattoos. I have some tattoos that are pure scripture. Okay, this right here on my arm are the words of God. Okay, I've got other tattoos that are for me. And they're a reminder and an encourager for me. For instance, I have three dots right here in my arm. Okay, what does that mean to Nathan? Well, three dots in writing are called an ellipsis, which represents a pause. Okay, there was a pause 
in my story because I was inches away from taking my own life. And I don't want to be there again. And God rescued me from that. And this helps me and encourages me and rescues me out of that by reminding me how God saved me from that. So for just me, it helps. I've got a clock that's breaking up and fading away. Why? Because time is my most valuable resource. And it is quickly fading away. So am I using it how God wants me to use it? Or am I wasting it? Because time is my most valuable resource. And it will be gone soon. I had a friend who died in a motorcycle accident during college. We were playing games and next thing I knew he was gone. I have his life motto, which is in Italian. It says, Vivo per la sfida. And it simply means I live for the challenge. That's just, again, something that connects me to someone who was an encouragement in his walk with the Lord, in his attitude, in his servanthood. And it helps me be inspired to be God's servant. I don't feel like it takes away from God. I don't feel like it distracts from God. It helps me be more connected to God. So for me personally, my tattoos are not meant for people to look at me or draw attention to myself. They help me to serve the Lord or reach people for the Lord better or be encouraged by what God has done for me. So if you're going to have a tattoo, I would hope that you have a purpose and that you were convicted in some way to have that tattoo. And it's not just frivolously or because I want it or because my parents said I couldn't have it. Man, if you have a tattoo born of disobedience from your parents, we are meant to honor our mother and father. Don't do something because your parents said you shouldn't. If you can have a tattoo in the way that I've described, then by all means, have a tattoo. Now, there's a verse that everybody brings up that you shouldn't have tattoos. So I'm going to bring it up just so that we can see it and look at it together. This is Leviticus chapter 19. So this is Old Testament, Old Testament law. We're under the New Testament law like we talked about earlier. But just because we're under this new law does not mean that everything is good or beneficial. So Leviticus 19, do not cut your bodies for the dead. And do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. Okay, so in this context of this verse, God is addressing his people. And this has to do with everything that we talked about last Sunday of spiritualism and summoning the dead or using it for witchcraft or sorcery. So this concept of cutting your body 
would be to communicate with the dead. This concept of marking your skin would be marking your skin with, uh, I'm losing the word, talisman or tokens or spells in an effort to cast magic. So I'm going to imprint this symbol on me for the effort of using witchcraft. Now, if you have a tattoo for the effort of using witchcraft, then that tattoo is a sin. Just is. Because we learned last week that that is detestable to the Lord and is a listed sin in the New Testament. He wants you to have no part of it. This also talks about something that's called scarification. So you would cut into your skin and you would leave marks in a way that the scars that you create would create those symbols so that you can interact with witchcraft. Okay, none of my tattoos are to interact with witchcraft. But if that's your reasoning for a tattoo, then that tattoo is a sin. Here's my defense for this verse, and one of the reasons why I have a tattoo. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is just a great set of verses to think about and have in your mind. But this is the Lord God speaking to Israel. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are along the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorposts and on your gates. Now, I don't think that directly is talking about tattoos. Okay, It says tie them. It doesn't say imprint them. So that is very different language. But again, this helps me accomplish this. What are we called to do as Christians? Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're along the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Have them as reminders throughout your home and on your body. Have them with you. You know, one of my favorite things, my first tattoo is this Trinity symbol with James 1, 2 through 8 right below it because that's my life verse. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. Then it continues. But when I shake someone's hand, it's one of the first things they see. They get to ask questions. And what is that symbol? Why do you have that? What is that Verse, what does it stand for? Well, brother, man, I've, I've been through some trials. But God has given me comfort. So these little things, the tie them on your hands and wear them as your forehead, that continued all the way into the New Testament. And there were Jewish believers that really liked this idea. So then we skip over to Matthew chapter 23. 
talking about these high religious people who love to be called teacher and Pharisee and master. And everything they do is for show. So if you have tattoos to draw attention to yourself and elevate yourself, then you shouldn't have them. Because you're just like them. Everything you're doing is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes. They were overachievers. I don't want a single verse tied to my wrist. I want the whole scroll. So they would have an extra wide box to show everyone, look at me, I'm carrying around all of the scriptures. They would wear long robes with extra long tassels because everything they did was for show. And if you're trying to elevate yourself, trying to draw attention to yourself, then your heart's in the wrong spot. And and I don't know if you should have that tattoo. We talked about risks for all the other things, so I gotta be honest. There's risks with tattoos, okay? They contain heavy metals. Heavy metals, when leaked into your brain, are a cause of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. We don't want heavy metals. It's a risk. They have carcinogens. There's a risk of chronic inflammation. There's some weird horror stories of people who get a tattoo, and their whole body kind of goes into this fritz, and they have chronic inflammation, You can get skin infections, and there is allergic reactions that happen for some people, especially depending on the dye that is used and the place and setting. Another point of transparency, just a fun story for everybody. The I Live for the Challenge tattoo I got in Africa, outside, with a gun from Europe that they had frayed the wires from and just stuck into the electric socket to make have electricity. Now, I was young and foolish, and it said I live for the challenge, so by all means, I was like ready for the challenge. But man, that was some increased risk for sure. So kind of the heart of today's message, I brought it up earlier kind of my metric, my standard for judging these things, does it produce the fruit of the Spirit or does it eliminate the fruit of the Spirit in your life? I hope you have the fruit of the Spirit memorized, but in case you don't, I'll bring it up one more time. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. If it's not enabling that, if it's pulling away from that, then it is a sin for you. If it prevents you from being loving, it's a sin. If it takes away your self-control, it's a sin. So here we are in Galatians chapter 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And let the Holy Spirit convict you, let him lead you, let him show you wisdom to interact with the things of this world. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants us to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. 
These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. So these are listed sins and listed desires of sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, which is just a polite way to say orgies, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law or against such things. There is no law. Then the verse continues, and this was the verse I brought up at the beginning. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's the heart behind this morning and all these things. Man, if it takes away from the fruit of the Spirit, whether it's alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, vaping, gambling, tattoos, TV, food, pornography, hanging out with your friends, if it takes away from the fruit of the Spirit, then nail it to the cross and crucify it there. Follow the Spirit's leading however He tugs on your heart. Don't make up any excuses. Say, I'm done with this. I'm taking it and I'm nailing it to the cross and I'm crucifying it there. It has no control of me. I want only the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. As I wrap up my message, I just want to end this morning with communion. Because communion is exactly that time to analyze yourself. Man, am I doing something that's sinful? Am I doing something that takes away from the Holy Spirit and from the fruit of the Spirit? And if I am, then man, I need to crucify it. And I need to go to the Lord and say, God, forgive me. I've been interacting with this thing and now you've shown me that I shouldn't be. So God, it's yours now. Take it from me because I'm just here to, to serve you and worship you. Let's pray and then we'll take communion together. Dear God, thank you so much for just this chance to come before you. 
And you're our good Father who loves us and will forgive us and guide us in your wisdom. So God, help us to be wise in the sinful world. Help us to be wise with these tricky things to interact with, God, and convict our hearts. If there's something that we're doing that you don't want us to be doing, then show us. And we'll say, please forgive us, Lord. We're here for you because of you. We can only have the Holy Spirit because of the work you did on the cross, God. So help us to remember that each and every day. It's in your holy and most precious name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So I borrow the words of Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. He took some bread. He blessed it, gave thanks to God for it, said, This is my body given as a sacrifice for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way later that evening, he took the wine, blessed it, gave thanks to God for it, and said, this is my blood poured out as a covenant for my people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. As I close with prayer and I invite the worship team up to the front, could you guys pull up my last two verses at the very end of my slide? I just had another verse to share with you in this thought. This is our closing verse for today, so you're going to hear it twice. I'm going to read it over you twice. But it says this, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants us to do. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with anything else. Don't lose your self-control in anything, whether it's TV or food or hanging out with friends who you shouldn't be hanging out with. Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're struggling with these things, and you're wanting to give one of these things up to the Lord, and this is a playbook on how to do it. When you have that craving, when you have that issue, when you have that moment, man, go to God and thank Him for all that you have and start singing. Man, it will help. We are called in Scripture to write our own music, to sing songs. So in that moment, sing your heart out to God and and let him take it all away. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity to come here and learn about you and talk about these tricky subjects. God, please just fill our hearts with your spirit produce your fruit in our lives and guide us to be wise, God. If we have anything we need to address, God, convict our hearts 
so that we can better serve you and so that we can worship you and praise your name, God. It's in your holy and most precious name we pray. And everybody said.